Welcome to the Share What You Learned podcast. I'm Amy Patricic, a learning enthusiast and the host of the show. It's been a while since my last episode aired, and it's so nice to be back. I'm so glad you're here. In case you're new here, the Share What You Learned podcast is designed for learning professionals to share something they're learning in the field. Today's episode is a real treat. I have my friend, Leslie Early, here to interview me about career disruptions. We'll get into all of that in a moment, but first, let's meet Leslie. Hi, Leslie. Thanks for coming on the show and helping me with this episode. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Thank you for having me. Hi, my name is Leslie Early. I am a senior instructional designer at Transfer, uh, where we design learning products in virtual reality. And typically we design these products for people in the skilled trades industries. I am also the host of a podcast called That's Awesome ID. So if you're looking for other instructional design podcasts, check it out. And I am thrilled that you have asked me to be the guest host on your awesome podcast today. So thank you very much for the invitation. It was an easy ask. I thought, who do I want to interview me? It was obviously Leslie. And as she said, she does have a podcast called That's Awesome ID. Highly recommend, has always been a great resource for me. Today, we're going to talk about career disruptions, as I'm currently in the middle of a career disruption. Earlier this year, I was a part of a mass tech layoff. I want to talk about career disruptions because I think a lot of people want to talk about them when they're on the other side of them and they have the shiny new job to share. Well, there's a lot that happens in the middle, though, between the actual career disruption and your new job. And that's what we're going to chat about here today. So I'm going to hand the show over to Leslie. Leslie, take it away. I will do my best over here. First of all, I like this term career disruption. I've heard perhaps... Maybe I'm making an assumption here, but what you're describing has been called many other things out there in the world. But I think I know what you mean by the term career disruption. Let's start with the definition. What do you mean by career disruption? And what's important about that phrase? Why are you using that phrase? I like the term career disruption because it normalizes the ebbs and flows within a career. So I think maybe some of the fairy tale we were all told as children is that when you are a grown up, you'll have this job and you'll have it for years on end and it'll just be incredible career trajectory. When in reality, there's a whole other component of I didn't get the promotion I was looking for or I got transitioned into a role that I actually didn't want, but that's where the company need me. And so it pushed me into that role. My boss left and now I'm without a manager or the new manager I have, I'm not very excited about and don't feel supported by, or in my case, a layoff, like disruptions are a part of the path or the trajectory of our career. It's not the end goal. It's not the destination, but it's a part of it. And it's really important to me to normalize career disruptions. I think when something like in my scenario, like a layoff happens, people are quick to kind of feel bad about themselves. Like what's wrong with me? What did I do wrong? I must have something. I must have done something. Da, 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 da. When in reality, you were dealt a bad hand and, and none of this is your fault. And so I think changing the vocabulary on some of these career disruptions, instead of kind of like landing the sentence on, I was laid off is to say like, I'm experiencing a career disruption. And I think that's something we can all relate to whether Again, it's a layoff or one of these other examples I've laid out is it's something we can all relate to. Like, yeah, my career didn't go the way I thought. And now I'm looking for something else. And I like to give the example of go to 
If you decide for dinner, you want to make a pizza and you go to the grocery store and you're like, tonight's a pepperoni pizza night. And you go to the grocery store and you go to find the pepperonis and you're like, crud, they're all out of pepperonis. They don't have any. And you still have a choice. You could still make a pizza, but maybe it's a pineapple pizza. Maybe it's a Supreme Uh pizza. That's very contentious. (laughs) There's some very strong opinions out there about pineapple pizza. So that's why I led with that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, but just in essence that like it forces you to reevaluate. There is a disruption even in your grocery shopping experience. And so like now you have a choice. You can go to another grocery store and try and find the pepperonis. You can make a different kind of pizza. You can abort pizza altogether and decide we're having pasta for dinner. And I think that's that's just a part of being human in the world as it is a part of being a professional having a career. Yeah. So I like that. I think it puts a more it puts a little bit more positive spin on it, or maybe not necessarily positive is the right way to say it, but more like this is just an event that happened. It doesn't, you don't necessarily have to take it personal. However, we do know we're all human. We all have emotions. Um, So there are some emotions that come if you find yourself in this type of situation when we're not talking about pepperonis and pineapples. Although again, as mentioned, (laughs) pineapples do have a lot of strong emotions associated with them when it comes to pizza. So what kind of advice do you have for navigating those emotions? Because we can't say that they don't happen. They do, no matter how we try to frame the experience. Like, yeah, I guess what advice do you have for people who find themselves right in the middle of all that? I think you're pointing out something that's really important, which is that emotions are a natural part of a career disruption. You know, if if we're sticking even with the pizza analogy, it's like silly as that is, you're not like, yes, they ran out of pepperonis. You're like, oh, crud, that sucks. I really wanted pepperoni pizza. And so I think there's an, there are normal emotional reactions like anger is one, sadness, grief, disappointment. All of those are really natural when career disruptions happen. And I think if you're not taking risks in life, if you're not putting yourself out there and or in uncomfortable situations, you're never going to grow. And so some of it all is like learning to like normalize what society calls failure and or rejection and not that a layoff is failure, but maybe from a societal standpoint, it's a perceived failure. And so it's just like one is like recognizing that those things exist whether or not they're true, which like in my situation, it was strictly just, there's no performance indicators or anything like that related to layoff. It was just much more of a budgetary kind of situation. Anyhow, I say that to say, yes, the emotions part are normal and you do need a space to process those. And, you know, there've been some important things that have been helpful for me in processing those emotions, whether that be talking to friends or working out or going on adventures, all of those things kind of helped me to process all of that. But the other thing to know is that when you're going into a job hunt on the other side of a career disruption is that if you lead the conversation with the emotions or if the emotions are kind of bleeding into the conversation and the end goal of this conversation is to really make some gains on your job hunt, it kind of changes the conversation. And so like, I'll give an example of like when I was early on and, um, my pivot into instructional design, I would go to networking events. And, you know, the question is, what's your name and what do you do for work? And at that time, I wasn't working in um, in instructional design just yet um, in the way that I wanted to. And so I would say, um, I'm Amy and 
am unemployed right now, or I'm looking for a job right now. And you could just visually see on people's faces the way they kind of drop and the way they're like, I don't really know what to say to that. Like they're not vocalizing that, but you can just see it in their face of like, I don't know how to respond to that. Like they could, in essence, what I'm reading on their faces is like, I feel the emotion coming out of this person and I don't know how to support them. Like I didn't know we were stepping into like a mini therapy session or something like that. I feel uncomfortable. And so what's been more helpful or contrasting is for me to say like, I'm Amy, I'm an instructional designer. And then their face tastes the exact same. And they're like, oh, cool. Like, what do you love about instructional design? Or what are your familiar favorite projects or whatever? And now it's open to this doorway to talk about the thing that I want to talk about and maybe start pointing me towards career possibilities. And so I think what I'm saying in all that is know that emotions are, are a valid part of the process, but be aware of where they're seeping into conversations and kind of skewing the conversation away from where you want or, or your end goal, which for me is to get a job. And maybe know that I need to have, I need to call a friend and talk about this with a friend before my networking call or before I go to this networking event or before I da, 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 to kind of process some of the emotion and get the emotion out before trying to do the more tactical, maybe strategical components of like a job search. For whatever reason, dating comes to mind and like, not that I'm like out there dating all the time, but like there's this feeling of like a little bit of desperation can be like a major turnoff. So like if, you know, if you haven't processed these emotions and dealt with them a little bit before you go into these types of conversations, like whether we know it or not, we send a lot of signals of mm -hmm. like, you know, even if you never mention anything, yeah, the emotions, the body language could come out. I think that, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. So basically, let's say a person's gone through some sort of career disruption. They're feeling some negative emotions about it. They're trying to do the healthy thing by, you know, chatting with a friend, therapist, whoever it may be, mentor, processing some of those emotions and they feel like, okay, now I'm really in a good place. I'm ready. As Lizzo says, well, not, <laughs> not really. She says, am I ready? But let's say this person feels ready to go out there and get the thing that they want. So when they are ready to actively start seeking, you know, those opportunities again, what would you recommend be like the things that they do first? So I think there's a couple important components here. I think one is, uh, if you're going from working to not working like I am, we're used to finding success and productivity in our job. And so then you go, you're quickly in this transition of not working and you're not feeling the same level of productivity and you're not feeling the same level of success because you don't have the same things in front of you that you did before. And so that can start to feel defeating too. Like, who am I and why, you know, what am I even contributing to the world right now? And kind of feeling this a bit of helplessness or hopelessness maybe. And so I think one thing that's really important is to set goals or targets in your life that maybe they're professional, but I would even maybe challenge to say that aren't professionally related so that you can experience that level of productivity you're used to and maybe um, accomplish some success as well. So 
I'll give a, for example, for me, one of my goals has been running. And so I have run, but I am by no means a fast runner, by no means a long distance runner, but I have really challenged myself to do some really hard things. And so one of the goals I set for myself was to run fastest mile of my life, which I'm proud to say I've done in this season of unemployment that I've really put that out there as a goal and something I wanted to work towards and done. And I'm feeling this great level of success because I set a goal, put in the work to do it and was able to achieve that. And so being able to find success and some measure of productivity in other aspects of life, I think is really important. Another thing that I think is really important is I would use the term like, it kind of goes tangential to what I was just saying, but kind of like attending to the holistic version of yourself. When you're employed, a big part of our identity is with the job that we have or the company that we work at or the kind of work that we're doing makes a lot of sense. And then when you're unemployed or not working and you don't have that job title, you don't have that company that you're working for, it can feel like, who am I? And a lot of times just as working adults, we put a lot of our profession or our identity in our professional identity. So we take that on, I'm Amy, I'm an instructional designer. And I think what's really important is that you begin to take on these other identities, because if we go back to like the idea that everyone experiences disruptions in their careers, at some point, you, I, and listeners listening to this episode are all going to experience some level of disruption. And we're all going to need to have these other identities kind of as stakeholders to keep us standing when the professional component kind of feels like it's going through an evolution or ebbing and flowing a bit. So I like to use the term for that, like putting your eggs in a variety of baskets. And so maybe some of, you know, maybe some of it is like continuing to grow professionally. Maybe some of it is continuing to grow physically or athletically in the way that I did. Maybe some of it is like, I want to take on some volunteering opportunities and get better connected with my community. Maybe some of it is like, I've been wanting to travel. That's a really important part of me. And I just haven't had the margins to do it, but now I do. So I'm going to let that piece simmer and be more present in my life. And so really taking this holistic approach to your personhood and putting energy and time into all of those parts instead of just the professional one. Because at the end of the day, there's a lot of things you can do to get a job. But at the end of the day, like you can't make the decision to get yourself a job unless you're maybe a freelancer or self-employed. But if you're looking for full-time work, W-2 employee, largely it's someone else's decision. And they could have just slept weird last night and went with candidate Y instead of candidate Z. And there's really not a whole lot of rhyme or reason for you as the candidate as to why they didn't pick you. And so, you know, having these other things that can hold you up, even if you're putting energy into your professional career so that all your eggs aren't in your professional career. And if you don't get this job, then it just kind of really sends you spiraling. And then the last piece I would say is there is a level big level of discomfort when you experience a career disruption and another emotion some people experience is embarrassment as well. So they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to really be very verbal about it. I would say one of the best things you can do is is to start talking about it, not again, not in that like maybe therapeutical sense of like, here are all my emotions around it with everyone, but to get yourself out there, to put yourself in new surroundings, new people, in essence, I'm saying growing your network. The people you know are awesome and wonderful, and they're, of course, going to have your back, and they're going to try and help you find work. But the more people you meet, 
the more people you have in your corner and the more people you have on your, like on your side to help you get a job. And it just, I see it as almost like a increasing your odds, increasing your chances of getting the job. As you were saying all these things about like having, fostering other interests, putting, putting time and passion into some other things that aren't necessarily professional and diversifying in that way, but also diversifying your network, like by having all these other interests, you just never know. That's been my experience is you just d- never know where that next opportunity or connection is going to come from. That's going to be the thing that leads you to the thing that you're then doing is you just really can't predict. You can try your best, you know, to intentionally make all of these things happen for yourself, but there's always that a lot of it is actually out of your hands. But a good strategy is to diversify, you know, your interests, your talents, your skill sets, your and network, I think maybe would be the most useful in this case, but 100% agree. And I would say most, not all, but most of the jobs I've gotten were maybe it's an analogy of like seeds I spread or like breadcrumbs I dropped, but they were never like, you know, if we're going down the plant analogy, you know, like if you go to the a nursery and you buy like a partially grown tree and you take it home and you plant and you're like, we are this is it. This is the tree we are building, like versus sprinkling a variety of trees, like seeds in the ground to be like, I don't know, we'll see which one comes up. Most of my jobs have come from like planting seeds in a lot of different places versus putting all of my eggs in one basket or planting one tree and being like, this is the job I'm going to get. There's certainly been jobs I've really wanted But again, there's so much that's out of our control. You can't always make that happen. So I've been so surprised where jobs have blossomed out of places. I'm like, really? That little thing I said turned into a job? Oh my gosh, I would have never thought. You just can't predict it. I guess that kind of leads to my next question, which is, is basically, I mean, this could be for someone who finds themselves right smack dab in the middle of a career disruption, or it could be for someone, you know, I mean, the market is volatile right now. I think we can all agree on that. The job market is somewhat volatile. So it could be someone who just is in the middle of a career disruption or someone who's kind of doing okay, but you just never know what's coming down, uh, down up around the bend. So what kind of things can people do to set themselves up for success? And this could be anything as it could be short term, it could be long term, it could be, you know, I'm sure those are all different things. But you know, do you have advice? What can people be doing right now to set themselves up? So I'll say, you know, for going back to the emotional piece, a lot of people experience a disruption, there's a lot of emotions that come to the surface my partners in the mental health industry uh, professionally. And so I know a bit about some of these mental health things, but I can tell you that when your brain is in a more stressed state like that, you aren't always making clear or thoughtful decisions. You're making them based off of like high cortisone muscles. And so something I see is that a lot of people who get laid off, they're scared and they are ready for to make money again. They're afraid that the money's going to dry up. They're afraid they're not going to have insurance. All of those things are valid concerns, 100% valid. And I see people being in those concerns, applying for jobs, getting a job offer that they're, you know, you'll hear them say, this part's really great. I'm not sure about this, but it's going to be really great. And they take this job and they get a month, two months into it, and they're really 
dissatisfied. And what becomes clear is that they jumped really quickly out of fear. And now the job they're in isn't one they like or enjoy. And they're trying to figure out, can I wait this out? Is there another opportunity in the company? Do I need to abandon the ship and go someplace else? And so I see that happen with a lot of people. And so one of the things I really recommend is like, what can you do now is like, take a beat, breathe. And I would say, look at your your life and your needs, because there are some realities. Um, you know, some people have little kids, some people are paying college tuition, some people are caring for elderly parents, some people have like a lot of medical needs. And so there are some of those needs where it's like, I, I do just need to jump to a job. And, and so, but knowing, and that's where taking a beat, you're aware that you're doing that and making a plan, knowing that you're just jumping to the first offer that comes to you versus, or not versus another option would be you take that beat and you go, okay, I have X amount of money in my savings. I'm getting Cobra for this long. So I'm going to try to do X, Y, or Z and set this target as my higher date. I'm not going to take the first job that comes to me unless it's a good fit and matches my priorities and values. I'm going to choose to wait it out for X amount of time because I'm aware of all of the factors in my life that I need to take into consideration as I think about getting a job. And so in summation, the big piece of advice is like take a beat and breathe and don't let the emotions drive your decisions out of the gate. Really kind of evaluate your life and your needs and then create a strategy or a plan about how you want to move forward from there. Okay. Well, so that makes sense. Like, I think a lot of what you just said really addresses like the short term of like, if you find yourself in the middle of a career disruption. But what advice do you have for people who maybe aren't right in the middle of it? Maybe they're happy, they're in their job. As far as they know, things are going good. But, you know, I think we all have a little bit of anxiety, like this could happen to anybody. So what advice do you have for people so that they could proactively be doing, they're still happily employed, what can they be doing so that if they unexpectedly find themselves in the future in this type of career disruption, they're better set up for success to kind of handle that or navigate it a little bit better than maybe if they hadn't done a little bit of preparation for it? You know, there's the phrase of when's the best time to plant a tree and it goes something like 20 years ago, when's the second best time yesterday or today, something along those lines. And I think that's kind of in essence, what that question is pointing to of like, sometimes career disruptions come at a complete surprise. And so you are in this like total shift of mindset and in your path diverts very instantaneously. And for others, it's maybe a slow transition. And so I think all of the things I've said before can still stay true, um, especially when I'm talking about like diversifying your network and, you know, continuing to grow professionally and putting your eggs in different baskets is like not putting all of your eggs in your current employer's basket and just maybe exploring other options out there. And just maybe it's reaching out to your network and saying, I'm curious what other opportunities exist out there. These are some things I'm considering. Can you keep me in mind? Should something come on your radar? And, and so I think all of that is still true. And I think, you know, maybe some of the, I would argue like the privilege in being in that position is like, you still have a paycheck, you still have insurance, you still have benefits. And so you are in this really cool position to explore what's out there. And even I have, and I know other people have, they, they just always are interviewing 
with other companies, not necessarily because they're looking for another job, but it's a good way to get a take on market analysis. What are going rates in the industry right now? And what's important to companies? And having that information can even help you be better positioned within your own job. And so I also think, you know, in very like concrete ways, like keep your resume updated. If you have a portfolio, keep that updated. Like don't let those things get really outdated. I personally am just I'm keeping those active, like maybe every six months or so, I'm always just checking, like, does this feel outdated now? Because I've evolved as a professional and maybe this no longer reflects my personal and professional status anymore. And so I think just making sure you're staying relevant to your current state of your profession and also where you want to go. And some of it is too, is I would also say, you know, whether it's you're in a career disruption or you maybe are concerned about when coming is also asking this question of, do I want to continue doing the work I'm doing today or do I want to evolve and grow to something different? So maybe the example of instructional designer, it's like, are you, is that still scratching the itch for you? Or maybe are you getting so geeked out about like the asset development that you're actually considering a path in graphic design? So maybe whatever your next step is, is graphic design. So maybe you need to start thinking about like, what do, what are they looking for in graphic design positions and what kind of skills and traits do I need to be building up now? So if push comes to shove and I need to make a transition, I have that runway already set for myself. I can't emphasize enough, like your network is worth its weight in gold. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and also keeping in mind every single person you meet whether you call it a coffee chat, informational interview, whatever you want to call it, like you should consider yourself always interviewing for a job. Like yeah, whether it has that title of that interaction or not, that's the person you need to bring to any of those network conversations. It's like, what would I say? How would I act if this was an actual interview? And I think that could maybe help a lot. I don't know. I assume people are already acting that way, but maybe they're not. So maybe it's worth saying, but. (laughs) I like to think too of, this is a little bit of a tangent, but also consistent is like when you're talking to people, when you're posting on LinkedIn, when you're interacting with other professionals, kind of that, like what's the, the vibe you give off is what I would say, but maybe the more like polished way of saying that, like what's the brand you're giving off and brand can sound like something really professional and maybe icky to some people. But basically for me, it's like, what's who are you? What makes you unique? What's who are you is maybe the best way of saying it. And so the analogy I like to use is talking about like, I'm an outdoorsy gal. And so like hiking, so trekking poles, say you're on the market for trekking poles. I am not going to go to Target for trekking poles. They might maybe sell trekking poles at Target, but I'm not going to go to Target for trekking poles because I just that's not when I think Target, I don't think outdoor gear. Right. <laughs> and or quality outdoor gear. Right. So I'm gonna go to REI because the brand of REI has like strongly communicated to me that they offer quality outdoors products. And if even in my head, I'm like, if they don't have trekking poles, like they know someone who will. I don't know. If I go in Target and ask an associate, do you know where I can find good trekking poles? They'd probably look at me with a crazy face. In contrast, if you're looking for a dollar bin, Target comes to mind. I'm like, you want a little something to pick up for your niece or nephew? You're going to want to go to Target dollar bin. I don't think I want to pick up a little something for my niece or nephew. I'm going to REI. And so both of those stores have distinct brands. And as a result of having those distinct brands, you go, when I need this, I'm going to go to 
target or REI, depending on the need. And I would say the same is true of how you're engaging with your professional community online, in person, the way you talk, the things you post, the conversations you have are all a reflection of your brand. And so when a need, AKA a job posting comes available, you want them to associate you with what kind of job. So then people will see something. The power of the network is that not that, okay, Amy, you have a company and you're hiring and you're, you're my good friend. So you're going to offer me the job or something. Yes, those things happen, but what's more likely to happen is you're also on LinkedIn or through your personal network, you hear about an opportunity and because it lines up with the brand that you have of me, you might say, Hey, I heard, I heard about this thing and you should consider it, or I thought of you or something like that. And so, and that can happen two, three people down the chain, like a friend of a friend could, you know, and it, and it can get back up. So it's not necessarily like everyone's going to be opening doors for you, but they can at least say, oh, I saw something that might interest you and, and kind of point you in that direction. So yeah, it's just, I probably will just emphasize it over and over again, but network, network, network. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so I, I know we're, we're kind of, um, coming up on time here, but do you have any last thoughts you want to share about, you know, career disruptions and, and how to tackle those? I think what I'll say is, I mean, we touched on this a bit earlier, but even when you're in a job, you can still be applying some of these principles because the reality is that you said a lot of the world, the state of the industry, all of that, there is like just some general concern about people's jobs in general. That's Americans in general are concerned about their jobs right now. And so there are things you can be doing to in the moment, even if you aren't in the midst of a career disruption to kind of plant that tree 20 years ago mentality. And so don't be afraid to do those things. If you're finding yourself in that place of current uncertainty, maybe you're not in a disruption, but you have some uncertainty about your job. Don't hesitate to to try some of those things out. And I think the other thing I'll say is like when you, if you are in the midst of a career disruption, it kind of like compresses the timeline for a lot of people on all of these things. And so, you know, if you have a job now, like I said, you can kind of create this runway for yourself potentially to transition before or when a disruption happens. But when you're in the midst of a disruption, it feels like all of that is packed into a shorter time window. And so just be aware that, you know, that's some of the emotion too is like, oh, there's so much I need to be doing right now and compressed into such a short time. And maybe the last thing I'll say here is that I've recently opened a business called Amy Patricia Career Strategist, where I'm offering services to people who find themselves in career disruptions or people who are looking to make a career pivot. And so if you find yourself in one of those positions, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can also find more information about that at apcareerstrategist.com if you're interested. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I love this. I know you have this tradition of having a rapid round of questions at the end of your episodes. I think, you know, I would love to ask you some of these questions and flip the script a little bit, if you don't mind. Yes, please. And we might mix up the questions. I, I really like the learning is, but I've got a couple of other ones for you. To try yes, out please well. bring in the Leslie Early flavor. Well, I, I can't play, take complete credit for it, but okay. So the first one, classic, share what you learn podcast 
rapid round question. Finish this statement. Learning is hard work, vulnerable, uncomfortable, and totally worth it. Yes, yes, and yes. If you could learn any new skill today, what would you want to learn? I am actually in the middle of learning a new skill, which is very exciting to me. I'm not someone who has known much about how to invest in the world and the stock market. And so that's one of the ways I'm diversifying my basket as well is learning so much about the stock market. These are things that I have just been kind of ignorant to and I'm now catching up on and so much to learn there. Mm, That's actually, yeah, I feel like you're really leveling up on adulting by doing that. (laughs) (laughs) I may have to, I may have to pick your brain at some point. Uh, Okay. If you could pick one person to teach you a new skill, who would it be and why? Okay. So I think I didn't know I was going to go here, but this, you know, guttle reaction was my nine-year-old niece. And I say that because I think there's something really beautiful about how kids depict content or like how to do something. I think adults come into it with a lot of, not all adults, some adults can come into like teaching a new skill with some arrogance, with some assumptions of you already know how to do X, Y, or Z. But if you've ever had like a little kid try and explain to you a board game, they start from like square one of like, you're black. So that means you have all the black pieces and I'm red. So that, (laughs) you know, it's like, They do such a good job of like starting at the very base level and really like scaffolding your learning and helping you acquire all the skills needed. And there's such like sweet encouragers, like my niece, nieces and nephew call me Mimi and they're like, Mimi, you did so good. And even if Mm. I just like did terrible at the thing, but I think my nine-year-old niece would make a pretty great teacher. I mean, that is true of children on so many levels, but yeah, I love that answer. All right. Well, I mean, we've hit the end of the rapid round. It was really rapid and I'm going to turn over this podcast back to its rightful hosts, but thank you so much for having me again, Amy. This was a lot of fun. Oh, it was so fun. Thank you for joining me, Leslie. And if you, listener, are intrigued by this conversation and want to learn more, are interested in working with me, you can go to apcareerstrategist.com. It'll be linked in the show notes. I regularly work with career pivoters and career disruptors and help them to thrive. Thanks so much, Leslie, for interviewing me today and chatting about career disruptions. I also want to give a shout out to you, my listeners, for learning with us today. Bye. Bye.